The following is a hoop ball presentation. Regulators, you regulate any stealing of his property. We're damn good too, but you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steal if you know what I mean. Earn your keep. Regulators, mount up. It was a clear where oh where is Brandon Ingram? We need Brandon Ingram these days. He's I, got a bad groin. He's got he's got his groins. Ouch, my groin. <laughs> <laughs> Always wins. Uh, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to Ball In, Ball Out, the official Lakers podcast of hoop-ball.com. We are... Hoop-ball. Hoop-ball. Get your ball hooped. We are... Uh, I don't want to say downtrodden, because I feel like everybody's still in pretty good spirits, but this is a rare podcast that's happening after not one, but two Lakers defeats. Uh, we could potentially go back and talk about the Denver win, although Eli did cover that on his own. Um, and I should also mention that we have a four-person podcast today, so pandemonium about to ensue. That's right. I am Dan Vespers. I am joined by the great and uh, now solo podcaster, Eli Bauman. That's right. But I'm, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a little too exposing. I thought, <laughs> it went really, I thought it went really well. It went okay. It went okay. It could have gone a lot worse. I was just, I was thrilled when all of a sudden I was checking my email and it was like, Dan, I did a show. And I was like, oh, sweet. Let's do this thing. Look, I really wanted to talk about that Denver win. <laughs> we'll get, okay, so let's get back into it in the not too distant future. Sure. Dr. Eric Noble. Hello. What up? What up? <laughs> We we got a situation where we have four people, three mics. So there may be <laughs> nobody needs even to more disturbing than two girls, one cup. <laughs> this is this, <laughs> and the new laugh you heard, our good friend and Lakers expert, Mister Mister Fred Dinkins. What's Uh-oh. going on? I, I'm very excited to talk some Lakers, some LeBron, some some everything. <laughs> Fred bringing the heat. Fred bringing the heat in a Kobe 24 jersey. Oh, I just want to say I got to represent. I mean, me and Kobe share the same birthday, so you know. Oh, what's your what's the birthday? August twenty third. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that is good. Who's uh, Kobe's got you by a couple of years? I four assume four years, four year difference. Yeah, also yeah. and one same. Oscar, yeah. and one Oscar. <laughs> Aside from the NBA championships, of course. Yeah, well, you have three championships. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, I, I started the show with my thought effectively for the last week, which is what would have been different if Brandon Ingram was around, and I felt like that Miami game really brought it into focus. Miami is a disciplined defensive team, and the Lakers haven't run into a ton of those lately and kind of got exposed for having no plan beyond the standard pick and roll, which, to the Lakers' credit, has actually worked really well lately. But Miami defended it. They defended IT. They defended Lonzo. They did a better job than some other teams on Randall, although right now he's, like, an unstoppable force. He's a monster. He's a beast. Uh, But... It left the Lakers with too few options, and I would like to mention Miami had a little revenge on their mind. Yeah, and they did the thing that you want well-coached teams to do, which is they got smoked. We kicked kicked their butts the last game, and they went, okay, that's not happening again. And then they looked ahead to the Laker game, got beat in Sacramento, came to L.A., Uh, and were like, oh, that was bad. I can't defend the Sacramento loss. But that was the classic look-ahead. Yeah, but they did everything that they did in the second game is what they didn't do in the first game. They contained everyone. They were like, we're not going to get killed inside this game like last game. We're going to control these dudes. We want this game played in the 90s, not in the 130s. And that's exactly what they did. And as you kind of were alluding to, Dan, we this whole season, like the, re, the difference between us and the teams that are 
38 and 30 as opposed to 31 and 37 is closing down the stretch and didn't stink for two months. Well, yeah, but even <laughs> even all of those, most of those games, we got smoked a few games, but most of our losses have been by like five points. Some of them have been by like ten points, but it was like two points. But you know, with two minutes left, it's been like really, really close games. I can think of like all the Warriors games were basically like that. Um, the Blazers game, the first two Nuggets games. Uh, like it, it really has been. That's been the tale of our season. I think that's a function of being young more than anything else. Well, you brought up the Warriors game, and we actually did go overtime in the first two games right. against the Warriors. Full strength Warriors. And I, I think it's a testament to where the Lakers have come since the last few seasons. I mean, the last few seasons in total, we've been getting blown out. I mean, this is like 10, 15, 20-point losses. Uh, but this year, as to Eli's point, I mean, every we've been in every game. This is yep. a fighting team. And I think, you know, Golden at Golden State aside, my, um, Miami, I mean, it came down to the end. You brought up Brandon Ingram. I think it's a, it's a result of the pick and roll being de- uh, defended well. I think it's, uh, you know, Isaiah Thomas is still new. Let's not forget that. I mean, um, yeah. you know, he's still going to acclimate. It. And if you take away the pick and roll, then he needs to figure out another way to, you know, lend himself to the team as well. So there's still an adjustment period going on there. But I, I did like the fight, at least against Miami, that we saw this week. That was, of course, uh, Ingram's last game before getting hurt was the Miami game on the oh, road. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's right. He took well, was like, took like a knee to the hip and then got landed on by Justice Winslow. Is that right? People got to lay off his groin. <laughs> His groin has given him he's trouble. He's a young man. He's he's got he's going to need that thing. How? But he was so good leading into that injury. Yeah, he had not, he went for nineteen five and five on uh, eight out of fourteen shooting in that game. I looked at some of his old. He had twenty one ten and six against the Hawks the previous time out. He was just getting going in a way yeah. that, I mean, uh, Lakers were able to space the floor a little bit better with their different personnel, including uh, who you guys said, Nick Mark lookalike, Travis Ware. <laughs> yeah, our boy, Travis Ware. Uh, we'll get, we'll get into familiar. him. We'll get into him later, because he was at the South Bay game that Eric and I went to, so we can talk about that. We saw him going to town on a grilled cheese sandwich, <laughs> dipping it into a tomato <laughs> soup. Dipping it into a tomato soup. Great form. Just like you would think with Travis Ware, like really fundamental form, good like dip ratio, good pace on the grilled cheese in the dip. Eating it like probably didn't get a stomachache. Really solid fundamental work by <laughs> Travis Ware. But we'll we'll talk about the South Bay game. Well, I, I was I, I have a I have a follow up on that grilled cheese, but I guess we can come back to that. I guess uh, beyond that for the for the Miami game, that that was it for me. Like that team desperately needed Brandon Ingram. Not, yeah. Not, well, his defense is always helpful with the the length, but just someone that could break a defense down because that's what he did in Miami. He just took it from near center court and beat his man. And yeah. the Lakers didn't have to run a, a pick and roll. They didn't need to. And Miami is one of the better teams in the league at, at handling that. So sort of ran right into the teeth of their defense. I also think it exposes a thing that's true about this team. One is that Lonzo, who I love, I'm like a total like Lonzo supporter, but he gets in the lane and he doesn't really know what he's doing. He cannot finish. I think he's unwilling. Honestly, I think that game also really exposed that he's unwilling to jump into guys because he's such a bad free throw shooter and it's and it's in his head because he really avoids contact. He's been like blocked by the rim more times this year than I've seen. So that's one thing. So 
because he can get, actually get around guys. He he gets there and then he kind of goes like, "Oh, I don't know what to do," like and tries yeah. tries to pass it. Really quick on the Lonzo yeah. thing, I think he does hear the negative feedback, and I think people have been preaching for him to be more aggressive. So when I watch those games, is he's going down the lanes? That's yeah. what I see. But then I realize, then it's like, what do I do? Like <laughs> yeah, he gets yeah. caught. He's like John Wall up until the last five feet. Yes, because he like I've of things that I didn't know about him. Going into the season, I would say the two main things are uh, how good he is a de- a, on defense and how fast he is. Like right. when he gets the ball, he zooms up the court. He looks like John Wall. He's like, and I think a few podcasts ago, I saw that he was like the second fastest guy, like with the ball in his hands in the league. But unlike John Wall, he gets in there and goes like, "Here, you take it." You know, he passes up shots. But another thing about him too is, you know, I'm a U- proud USC Trojan. But I watched him play on the UCLA Bruins oh, right. team. That guy can shoot at three-pointers at UCLA. I don't know what happened here at the NBA. Is it, is it the three-point line distance from the rim? Well, it's a good thing we have a uh, licensed psychiatrist on the podcast. Ah, what, what, what has <laughs> gone on with Lonzo Ball shot, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I think part, well, part of it's mental. Um, you know, I, well, he had a dip, obviously, in the beginning of the season. Now he's come up, and then he's now... He's now right. the last four games he's shot really, really poorly. But I think the the mental aspect you can really see on the free throw line. Yeah, because he was seventy percent at UCLA. He's below fifty percent this year. Right. He's that's, yeah. That's he's in like Shaq incredible. level. He's in like DeAndre level. I and I think something that I saw that was really accurate and I think is the only part of this that's disturbing, but also seems very fixable, is that. His shot is wrong in different ways all the time. It has like a lot of pieces. So like when you look when you think about good shooters, especially good free throw shooters and good three point shooters, make or miss, it looks the same all of the time. Like Steph's shot always looks the same. Clay shot always looks the same. Reggie Miller, same. Reggie way. Miller. And that was a weird looking Ray, shot. And Ray Allen. But like Steve yep. Steve Nash's free throws, it always looked the same. And like Lonzo has a different routine at the free throw line. He aligns his feet differently he like hitches differently like it's just he hasn't gotten to the place where he trusts his form and it just kind of goes with whatever the result will be that goes back to Eric's point that's a la Shaquille O'Neal at the free right he was always toying with it (laughs) and it never changed a thing I think the uh, oh sorry go ahead Eric no I I was gonna project to next season my my question to you guys is how do you think Lonzo is gonna do next season because this summer I imagine they're going to tinker with his shot, which is a really tough process for any ball player. It's worked out great for Markel Fultz. Yeah, ex- exactly. Mm. So I, I, my prediction, I think he's going to take a little bit of a step back actually next season. And I hate saying that, Ooh. but I think when you're tinkering with your shot, you're not going to feel fluid and creative and like just not thinking during the game. You're going to think too much. And I think that's going to cause him to maybe take a step back next interesting. season. Your just, thoughts, you guys? Just on free throws, or you mean in in total everything, all okay. around? Mm. That's well, yeah, that's I upsetting. <laughs> I mean, I think I hope that someone makes the point that you're kind of making, which is that you know sometimes change just for the sake of change isn't good. I think back to what I was kind of saying, which is like I think the main thing that they need to do is just codify what the shot looks like. Like, whatever it is, if it goes behind his head, if it's a normal shot, whatever, it just needs to look the same every time. He needs to get it so that that becomes automatic. That becomes muscle memory. 
But I don't know. Well, in, in terms of your projection, Eric, I can argue that actually next year might be a little better just because, look, this is his rookie year, and there was so much noise about Lonzo Ball coming into this year and even while he's playing that I think next year that's something now he can literally be used to. That It's a different mindset. It's a different mental game then. Um, and I feel like even though they probably will tinker with the shot, uh, he would be more acclimated to the NBA, and we should be able to see more and hopefully more productive aggression on the I, court. I don't want to say that I feel bad for the kid. I, I obviously don't because he's a professional basketball player for the Lakers. Um, but the the reactions to Lonzo Ball this year have been so polarized. He goes through like a three-game set where he hits, what did he hit, like 10 out of 15 three-pointers, and everybody proclaimed, fixed! We're good. Right. Mission accomplished. And now he's in a slump, and it's back to like what's what's eating Lonzo Ball. The free throw thing, which we're, we're talking about, and I think that's really that's been a constant. He never really had a stretch where he was hitting free throws. He had a stretch where he was hitting three pointers. And Eli, I thought you made a good point. When he was hitting them, what did we notice? They looked the same. Yeah, pull up and, and, he fired. and he didn't have that little hitch. He it, still has a thing where he he adjusts the ball in his hand. I had actually like read about this. Someone had like some person much smarter than I am on like Lakers like film room or whatever. Oh, had, like, it's a done good, a deep good dive follow. where he literally like would adjust the ball in his hand to like line it up and then shoot, and he like om- almost always missed. And huh. the, the ones where he just kind of even with that weird cross form, <laughs> you know, like I always try to think of like what Mr. Miyagi move it is. It's like the one where it goes to the outside. Wax off. I think it's wax off. Yeah, it's wax yeah. off. That when he wha- when he whacks off, <laughs> just without a hitch, I don't know what he so whacks funny. off a lot better. <laughs> That's prime waxing off. Uh, yeah, it was, and it had the right spin coming out of his hand. The spin is not the problem. The finish is oddly not the problem. He has really nice rotation on his shot always, mm-hmm. no matter what. It's this. Uh, I'm realizing a podcast isn't <laughs> a good medium <laughs> Visuals, for doing a visual thing. Just trust but he, like, us. Eli's he, like, doing it. Comes here and then he stops. Like at his waist, almost he like collects himself, and he almost always misses that way. When yeah. he doesn't, like in in the Miami game, there was one play where the shot clock was winding down, and someone passed the ball to him in kind of a hot potato move, and he chucked it up from three and drilled it. It was towards the end of the game, and it so was like get the he brain had no, out of it. He had no time, so he just did it. Are you saying he should get the brain out of it? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you th- said about the, the, the lines of the ball. Because a lot of shooters have that. When when they have it exactly lined up the way they want to, it feels a lot better. Right. And it seems to... I, I think maybe it, it doesn't mitigate the problem he has with, with just his brain. I don't know. We'll have to see. Hmm. So, to me, that was the Miami game. Uh, if If Brandon Ingram's there, they probably win. Lakers lost by one point. I know that... People often overestimate how much one player can change a game. I'm willing to say Brandon Ingram changed that game by one point. Well, it also, I think what it... Oh, sorry, Fred. Well, I was going to ask about that particular game I'm blanking. How did Randall do overall? Because I feel like Randall struggled a bit in that game as he well. Act, I mean, this this is struggling for Julius lately. He still had 25 and 12. Okay. Uh, yeah, he played well. 9 out of 17, I think, shooting. So it's still decent. It was good. Um, but he but got actually, frustrated at certain points. Freddie, this is. I'm so glad you're on this podcast. I want to ask you. So you're a huge wrestling W. I don't even know what the acronyms are it is anymore. WWE World Wrestling Entertainment because it is entertainment, folks. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it is certainly entertainment. Uh, here's my question to you. Uh oh. Julius kind of has a flavor of just someone who 
beats the crap out of other players. He almost, to me, he has like a WWE personality. If he were a wrestler, a professional wrestler, what would be his name? What would be his persona? Give me just just riff off of this. Well, I don't want to. I got to obviously go mainstream, but someone you guys may all be familiar with. Uh, Julius Randle does not have the charisma of The Rock. But when The Rock, before he became The Rock, was a big time heel, which is a bad guy. Um, and that's what he used to do, like bully, almost bully people at times. Um, Rando, I just think that he, whatever thing he's going through right now in terms of finding his his way as a Laker, I'm loving what I'm seeing because we talk about the lack of aggression with uh, Lonzo Ball. That's what I think Julius Rando brings. And if it if he needs to go and develop his own persona, so be it. But I like this Julius Rando that I'm seeing this year. Let's promo, uh, Fred. You actually have a WWE podcast, right? Yes, I do. It's uh, I'm known as Fred the Oracle. Uh, it is ah. called World of Bear, and it's is known as the Bear Cast. Um, yes, and I can tell you whose wrestling contract's about to expire, who just got signed, who's in developmental. Yes, I pay attention to all that stuff. I'm a nerd. There's a wrestling G League? Uh, uh, yes, it's called NXT. Oh. All right. Well, there you go. There How you can go. somebody find said podcast? Uh, iTunes, folks, type in World of Bear, all three separate words, there and it will be right there. You'll see Fred the Oracle and Willie. Are you on uh, social media? Can we give out a, a Twitter handle or something on here? Freddie D15, F-R-E-D-D-Y, D15. He is at Eli Bauman. I'm at Dan Bespris, and Dr. Eric Noble is not on Twitter. All right, so question for the Oracle. Yes. What do you... Because <laughs> we've talked about this a lot, but okay. let's get a fresh perspective. Okay. There's two questions that are cousins. Okay. One is, from the Oracle, what do you think the Lakers team looks like next year? And then you, as Fred Dinkins, what do you want the Lakers team to look like next year? I think... It's oh, that's a tough one because Paul George is a given. I think we're going to have Paul George regardless. Yeah, um, I kind of think that too. The scariest part, and we're talking to like, and the reason I want to highlight Julius Randle, it's like he's right, our that's biggest the question. He's our biggest trade piece. I mean, like right now, that's why we traded D'Angelo Russell, right? I mean that that was like our bit trade value at that time. Which, by the way, a trade that I'm totally cool with. Still, oh, we I, uh, we were we early agreed. adopters on that. I yeah. want to I want to credit this podcast for not losing faith in that yeah. that was a good trade because Russell looks because he like, looked good at the beginning of the season and then he really dropped off and that team just fell now. off the planet. Yeah, he scores, but he makes a lot of bad decisions. Sorry, yeah. Fred. No, no, no. But the but the thing. So for me, yes, I think I can foresee us having uh, Paul George. The question, obviously, at the end of the day, is whether or not we have a LeBron James. Um, for him to have two homes in L.A. and all that, and I know all the, the media hoopla surrounding it, at the end of the day, I think his legacy is set with him staying in uh, Cleveland. So yeah. that's my guess that we will not have LeBron James on the Lakers. Hmm. And it's not going to be to any non— uh, This is the Oracle talking now, yes? Yeah, Sure. Why okay, not? I just want to make sure this... Well, see, part of me is, like, I didn't get to do my research in terms of whether or not, like, how close we really are to signing him. See, the wrestling stuff, I can There tell is you no research. Close. I'll tell you I'll tell you what everyone who knows, everyone... Yeah. Everyone who knows this says, I have no idea. Like, and literally, people who, like, know LeBron well in Cleveland are, like, nobody knows except for LeBron. And he doesn't know. Do we need to pull strings at Oakwood and get LeBron's kids into a... Fancy I, don't, I don't think they're going to Oakwood. <laughs> no, they were. What was that school at? And uh, is Notre Dame. Yeah. Notre Dame High School is where they were looking yeah. at when they were in LA. 
So they're not going to take the sense. Oakwood Athletics program. No, I just, if we could keep Rando, <laughs> no matter what deal we get, I think that would be great. But I don't see that being realistic um, financially. Yeah. Financially, but I do. But as far as who's our core, I mean Isaiah Thomas will be gone too, right? Um, so we have Ball, um, Kuzma. I mean we can we can develop around them having a Paul George, assuming Randall's gone. I mean I think even building around and then of course Brandon Ingram building around those four as our core. We just need to make sure we sure up our bench and everything else, and we'll be in good shape. So now what about what the second half of that, right? What do you want? Ideally, I well, we talked about this. Early on, you know, ideally, in a perfect world, I would have wanted Russell Westbrook a few years ago. But uh, now, now that that's not possible, I do want Isaiah Thomas gone, right? Like, he's a good – I mean, he's good for – what we need right now and to i think they did that magic johnson that was all strategic he's playing chess it's like oh lebron you're having problems with isaiah thomas we'll, we'll, we'll take him off your hand yeah come you on know? out here yeah. Caldwell the, pulp it's like you run know, the pick and roll for us we got no yeah shooters. we're doing a lot of like wink wink favors i mean come on <laughs> for, like, it's like clutch sports I, you know he's doing that's what i'm saying if lebron does not come is not not for right. the lack of lakers right shine. we did everything we could do. they really did yeah and so that's why i don't fault them i just think lebron's gonna stay but uh yeah, I, I see a world without. I, I just I'm I'm a fan, and I think we talked about this earlier of just this team. So any advantage of like one big asset of a Paul George and shoring up our bench, I think we're gonna be we'll make some noise uh, yeah. in the playoffs. We're not championship ready, but we'll get there. I'm with you. I feel like the if I'm betting, if I'm a betting man, and I, to some extent emotionally, this is kind of what I hope happens too. Is I think Paul George is priority number one, and you just try to get him. He takes care of anything. He takes care of your LeBron sales pitch. He takes care of anything. Then you basically, at, at some point, because Casey, as we saw in the Denver game, Magic is back-channeling this whole season through KCP's agent, who is the same agent as LeBron's agent. Yep. That was the beauty of doing that, is it's the only time we're not tampering. Right. Because he literally went up to, to him in that, uh, I think it was the Denver game. Yeah, there's nothing him, wrong with that. He's just, totally above yeah, board. He's rich one of above board. It's a Rich Paul? Yeah, Magic. Rich Paul. Yeah, he's just one of our guys. He's just one of our guys. Yeah. Just talking about KCP. Just Finally. giving him a very public hug in the front row. Uh, <laughs> but I think, like, to me, there's, like, you, if you get LeBron, you get LeBron. Let's just... And that's no one's gonna poo poo LeBron being on the Lakers. We're but all apparently be... people will. Though. No, 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 no. But I uh, and it, we got to be careful how those polls are asked. I didn't right. listen to they, that. Yeah, and also who responds to those kinds of polls. Right. But I will say, like our group of friends are mixed about it. Though I do think a lot of it is from an emotional standpoint, which I completely understand. If LeBron comes to this team, it will feel weird. We've like grown attached to these young guys, and suddenly that will not be the identity of this team. It will be a LeBron team with like a bunch of guys on it. That's what LeBron does. Yes, I promise. I don't, I don't want to go on a LeBron rant, but I will say I have some concerns about it's him. It's a coming. podcast. That's, okay. where, that's where rants belong. No, I know. I, I that's just like I, where rants go to. I have fornicate. some concerns about uh, LeBron coming to the team. You know, you get to that stature. And we've seen it. We we've lived through Kobe and all the greats. Where you know everyone's got their pride and ego. The thing that concerns me about LeBron is that he would do things like and not take ownership of it. It's like how dare you guys talk about these things that I you know congratulate himself on Instagram or you know going uh, you know putting trolling I I say trolling uh, the media out there with certain things he puts on in social media. But when asked about it, he has an attitude. And I think, like, Isaiah Thomas, for example, is the best way I could put it. Kobe and Dwight Howard did not get along. Kobe did not. What? Hide. 
right? <laughs> Breaking news. Uh, but the thing is, you ask Kobe, Kobe Bryant didn't hide the fact that Dwight Howard didn't. Kobe Bryant was real about it. And with Isaiah Thomas and LeBron, you would think that LeBron never wanted Isaiah to be traded at the, at, at, right. the same way he's treating Kyrie Irving. And I just think when you have a player like that, that's like you know what's going on or like you're aware of issues in the background, but there's no ownership being taken in the forefront. Mm. To me, that that's that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And that's what I worry about with the future of the Lakers if LeBron comes. Because, you know, I'm glad Magic's there, but Magic's probably the only person that can counter that. So, so you no, think he cannot counter it. Well, it, it, LeBron <laughs> is a runaway train, man. So you think it's better to have that type of stuff a little more out in the open, which seems almost... Contra- counterintuitive to some degree. You would think that, but we just talked on uh, Julius Randle and Isaiah Thomas kind of like ranting at, on the bench, right, based off this week, and I love to see that. I mean, that's like... So does Luke Walton, apparently. Right. It's yeah. like, let's 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 put it on the table and let's right. deal with it, but when you hide it or when you sugarcoat it... Right. It, it becomes just, poison. Thank you. I love that you said that, Fred, because, I mean, LeBron has uh, an image as a the best teammate in the league, right. and Kobe... Was thought of as a horrible team, right? Right. But and I, and I imagine for most people, for most teammates, LeBron's great. But for those that he doesn't get along with, I think what you're saying is right. It's it's a really like poisonous, undermining thing to like hide the fact that you're not getting along with someone. Right, and I think that is also the kind of thing where. You know, I, when the Isaiah thing happened, a lot of stuff that I was reading is about how like when LeBron doesn't trust you he stops passing you the ball and it's kind of like a petulant thing because he always has the ball so he's literally much more than the coach is dictating kind of like he's the true point guard right and he's dictating like whose minutes are you know who's getting shots and he literally like if he doesn't like you he'll stop passing you the ball now Kobe oftentimes would be like, I'm not passing anyone the ball. But it never seemed like personal. Like or he, the other he side. He kind of, of thought of everyone as kind of equally not can up we, to his level. Can we talk about my favorite Kobe games of all time, the ones where he refused to shoot? Oh, come they were on, so petulant. Ha- come on. Uh, in that Sun series. That Those Sun were series. great. Those were yeah. awesome. He was I, such a petulant child. It was so great. <laughs> but you know what? He owned it. <laughs> he did. Yes, he did. He did, totally. But yeah, I, I, I hear you, Fred. I think that that is a valid concern i think like the counterpoint to that is just that he's lebron and it's like i do think that in the in the media it kind of got like exactly what eric said that it got kind of portrayed as like this thing where he's just great he's great in all the ways and i think what's been on earth is that it's actually complicated yes like he's great in some ways but he also is certainly dramatic he certainly like angles behind the scenes, yes. which other players do not appreciate. He's sold other players out at times. He doesn't like owning responsibility. I think all of that is right, but it's it's more of a kind of complexity to him. Correct. Yeah, but also he's White. the best player in the NBA. That's also correct. And that's the point. When it <laughs> and comes a great to the, unselfish player. Right. When it comes to the play on the on the court, he's unbelievable. I don't challenge it. So let me ask I, I wanna let's I'm gonna phrase this question in our own way for the podcast because we don't know how it was done in the poll online. But I feel like the way that people need to balance this right now is do you want like three to four years of a declining LeBron or the entire career of Julius Randle? Because that's probably the choice that most people are thinking that they're making, even though Julius could leave in two years, four years, whatever the contract ends right. up being. Is that is that what's driving people crazy? They're just like, oh, we're going to have to ride out LeBron at the end of his career. And I mean, the dude is a machine, so who knows how long this thing goes. But 
do we do we prefer to have a guy like Julius Randle? I feel like people Randle's been amazing, but I I do feel like there's been some diluting that he's somehow even in the same stratosphere as LeBron right. James. Yeah, that's definitely true. Well, so my answer is, what's the long term goal? The long term goal is to win another championship, beat surpass the Celtics as having the most championships in the league, and which one of those are going to give us that? Now, I agree with you. LeBron James is still the best player in the league, so declining LeBron. I think when you have this core nucleus around us, may we, we have a better shot within this next four years if LeBron was on the team versus Julius Randle. Because Randle just needs more time, and I, I don't think it's going to be championship caliber yet within the four years. So my, my response to that is to say a declining LeBron for the sake of winning a championship. What about the now the, the, the other option, the sort of option B, which is one guy now, keep Randle, one guy later. Is that the option that everybody wants right now, which is like Paul George and Randall signed this offseason, and you add Kawhi Leonard the following offseason. For long term, you're not riding out anybody's end of career. Is that the perfect scenario? I still think the better scenario is LeBron. But I think, first of all, like the one that I think is going to happen, just if I'm betting, and the one that I think will like satisfy me the most emotionally is... A version exactly what you described, which Paul is George. you get Paul George and you sign him, and then we have him. Finally, this this <laughs> flirtation is over, and we can stop getting fined for trying to get him. We just have him. I think you sign Julius to a a discount. Julius seems to want to stay, and no one else has money to sign him. So the other teams that might I think want the him, Kings have money, right? Yeah, he ain't going to the Kings. He ain't going to the Kings. He's not going to the Hawks. He's not going to any of those teams. Yeah, Dallas, I was worried about, but Wes Matthews is going to opt back in. They are so old. They're, oh, my God, they're, they're old. They're not getting him for, for the money he's going to want. This but, last month has been so critical for the Lakers to show that, hey, we're a step above these other crap dink teams. Yeah. And, yeah, we're, we're, waste, we're three steps above them. Of, like, the Kings and the Hawks. Well, yeah. Yeah, the Hawks are way All those there. teams, though, with cap space, it doesn't fit into their plans. What, what, why would they sign him? Dallas kind of makes sense because Dallas is a team that's used to being good. Right. But I think, I think there's a total plan where you get Paul George, you re-sign Randall for like $18 million a year, which I think is about what it's going to cost. And then you, you sign Isaiah, who... For a one okay year, with that. A one-year one audition. I'm totally fine with that. And you, and you give him the KCP contract, and it's one year, and if he's great, great. And if he sucks, bon voyage. We do need that veteran leadership, though. So I don't know. I'm yeah. hoping Isaiah would be that person since we got rid of Corey Brewer. Um, Who's playing his ass off in Oklahoma City, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I guess we, he just needed to play next to three. Well, yeah, yeah, he, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. It helps when you're wide open all of all the time. All of the time. Yeah. Um, but emotionally, I'm, I dig that team. I'm in on that team. Isaiah's one year away from scoring 29 points. And yeah, I'm, an I'm a, one of the bigger Isaiah haters out there. <laughs> you're starting to I, – I heard you. You liked what he did with the pass to Jamal Murray. Oh, I loved that. Oh, it <laughs> Eli was so was, delightfully If you guys petty. didn't get a chance to hear Eli's solo pod, just, go back and check that out. Just to rub it in the face of uh, Denver fans one more time, uh, Denver, over the last five years, has traded two of their number one picks to the Utah Jazz. Uh, and those picks are Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. So Yee, screw you, Denver. Yowza. Nicole Jokic is pretty good, though. Says the guy who's wearing a Dikembe Mutombo shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. That's a very good point. But Jamal Murray has changed everything. Uh, okay. I think I get. I think I get where most of us stand. I want to talk about one more player before we get into South Bay Lakers because I got to hear about your experience at the Lakers G League. 
the home of the Lakers G League squad. G League. And that is Mr. Brooke Lopez, who's been playing like an all-star for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it turns like, out he's good. Re- like, good, good. Not just, oh, he's back to being serviceable again. He's been quite good, uh, especially on the rim protection side. What? Yeah. And that was interesting because isn't his back injured a little bit? Tweaked yeah, supposedly. Back? Tight. Hey, he's toughing it out. He's got a tight I mean, back. T- hitting threes. Uh, you know, Brook Lo- Lo- Lopez is one of those signings that, you know, it's like, okay, this can go either way. And I actually do think it was a really good signing. And the way he's been playing, he has been pretty somewhat consistent throughout the year. Um, I just think that uh, and with, the, with him being able to hit the threes like he was in a Miami game, once if he could do that more consistently, because he's going to keep shooting them, uh, that <laughs> yeah, would be sure a is. <laughs> Yeah, he we, sure is. Lakers need it, though, man. That's a team that has, has lacked three-point shooting right from the outset. Uh, and and Brooke Lopez getting a little confidence has been a big deal. Yeah. Um, Isaiah Thomas, I know it, like the shooting percentage is terrible, but a lot of that is because his shots are almost exclusively from yeah. three-point land. I want to be clear, too. I do like Isaiah Thomas. I worry about the uh, the defense. Yeah. There's oh. no... We, <laughs> yes. get, we get... I mean, it's it's bad. Um, and then the, the pick and roll, I do like the Parker-Duncan connection that I'm seeing with him and Randall. I'm There's go a there. nice pick and roll there. There's some good chemistry. Yeah, they're good. And this is why when they went at it on the bench, I'm like, yes, yes, let, let's see that fire. Keep it going. Because right. if they can develop that chemistry and continue it... That's going to be, uh, to Eli's point of signing uh, Isaiah Thomas to a one-year contract next year, that's going to be good for the Lakers. Well, I think what you're talking about, too, is just like about being like authentic. Like That fight was authentic. Their like relationship is authentic. I think Isaiah maybe was too authentic for what LeBron and the Cavs wanted at that point, which is just kind of quiet obedience. And I think that one thing I think that really bodes well for this team based on the season is uh, Luke Walton is a really authentic guy and has been really honest with everyone up front. And, like, there was a Isaiah Thomas interview that came out where Isaiah was basically like, I don't want to come off the bench. Where they had dinner in Dallas, and he was like, Luke was like, uh, so what do you think about the season? He's like, I'm not coming off the bench. Luke was like, well, we're going to ask you to come off the bench. I know, <laughs> and I know you're not going to like it, and you're not going to start games, but you're probably going to finish a lot of games, and this is what we're doing. And I totally respect your opinion, and we're going in a different direction, and we really want you to be on board. And I was like... In any work environment, that's what you want from your boss. Clear, you know, fair. And that and that's what Randall called Isaiah was a straight dog. That's right. Which is a great adjective. That's right. So, yeah, that speaks to your point. I think p- people know, and NBA players know bull when they see it. And I think with oh, Isaiah... you got to make me break out the sensor. Oh, I'm sorry. We were Isaiah. doing so well. Well, here it comes. <laughs> with Isaiah, there's no bull You know, it, it, is, it is real. It's straight dog. And you kind of know that. And I think... Sometimes that's really good on the court. Sometimes, like in the Miami game, like bad Isaiah is really bad because it starts to go south for him and he doesn't stop doing the thing that he's doing. Like, you know, he missed that shot pretty badly. Uh, you all right, Dan? Dan struck his funny bone. Ooh. And now speaks to the fun- third person. Nothing funny about it. <laughs> I, no- I knocked myself into third person. Oh, yeah, that was right on the... Taking right it back it. to The Rock, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, you know, I was going to ask you, Fred, was the, was the Rock heel move what you did to Scott Cooper in, in uh, seventh grade when you threw him out the window? That is exactly what <laughs> okay. I did. If Make Scott sure. Cooper can smell what I'm cooking. <laughs> That's a story for another podcast, uh, I think. Okay, yeah. I want to hear about the South Bay Lakers. So I'm giving my microphone to Eric for the, for the duration, basically. Tell me what you guys did. Eric, go ahead. Uh, so we saw the last South Bay Laker game of the season. Yeah. 
at their brand spanking new facility, the UCLA Health Center. Yeah, Lakers. El Segundo, yeah, baby. El Segundo. The Gundo. Yeah, the gun. Um, it was it was fantastic. So the the first part we'll comment about are the fans. Yes, just brought it, brought it. So real, so like yelling stuff like from the nineties, like like uh what, oh shoot, and now I'm forgetting what the guy said. Well, first no. of all, he kept saying. So there was one fan behind us that just kept telling, urging the players to put a shoulder on him, which I've never heard in a basketball context before in my entire life. Put a shoulder on him, and he put, said it over and over again. Put a shoulder on him. We talking about a, like a center, center. No, I think he meant like to set a screen, but this guy kept saying it like it was like a cool like basketball lingo that he knew, and no one knew what he was talking about. So he the was... pro- the proximity and the fact that it's like a lower tier of basketball makes the fans think that they can just say whatever and like have an influence on the game. And you really are so close that the players do hear everything you're saying. Yeah. Like that you are basically having a conversation. We sat behind the bench and you could hear uh, Kobe Car- coach Kobe Carl. Uh, giving cursing at his team and giving uh, valuable insight. Eric, you want to talk about the whiteboard? Well, yeah. Before that, but we got royal treatment. So <laughs> we were trying to get tickets for this. A few games were sold out. Yeah. So I called the box office and got in touch with one of their box office people, Benjamin On. I what had, up, Benny? I had a lovely conversation with this gentleman for like 10 minutes. And he's like, all right, when you get there, I'll be in a gold tie. I'll show you around. We yeah. showed up and he was just—he was so friendly, so nice. Yeah, he was great. Uh, yeah, VIP. V- we got yeah, the VIP. We got the South Bay. Laker we also we, we sat between uh, some guy named Machado on our team's brother and Kobe Carl's wife. So uh, also an wow. interesting uh, experience. Okay, so, a very low cushion. Yeah, so the fans were fantastic, and then the the assistant coach game. Oh yeah, was please. Amazing. So there were like <laughs> there was Kobe Carl, the ho- head coach, and there were like four assistant coaches. Yeah. Who all looked like limo drivers at LAX. <laughs> like, you know, when the guys hold the signs? They were all dressed like that and looked like that. Um, yeah. So one of them had, like, an 8 by 11 whiteboard, like the size of a piece of paper. Like something you would have at your freshman dorm. You know, like on the outside? Like when you were like, 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 Jennifer, don't come in. And you would, like, write that on the outside. <laughs> it was, like, that shape. Yeah, and at each timeout, he would say like a motivational interview. He would have a line. Well, it's unclear on- if he ever said them. <laughs> he just wrote them. We're for sure about that. So what was the first one? You have them written down. Okay. The first one, well, I missed one in between before I did this. made this a photo project. Where I literally had to zoom in with my iPhone camera all the way just to see it because the whiteboard is so small. But he had... Okay, so... For context, it's like they're going into a timeout. This guy's one row behind the normal coaches. And he has this tiny little whiteboard, and he just wrote, love what you do on for the first timeout. <laughs> then there was some mysterious second timeout, which I didn't document. Then he just had written, we're different <laughs> during the third timeout. And then as the game was out of hand, he wrote, flush it. But with with it underlined, with it underlined, flush it. Yeah. Um, yes. Fr- Fred handed me a microphone, but I honestly don't. I don't know what to say about what that. Is there, there, there is nothing there, to, what say. Is there to say. There is nothing to say. So what's the motivational? What's the measure motivational tactic of weird different? <laughs> I have <laughs> no idea. We have no idea, but we were cackling because also like so you would see the the like his brain working because 
he was just kind of sitting there and like you know yelling for people. There's also I think he was one of the guys who kept yelling "We love defense." Yeah, there were like two guys who just kept saying "We love defense." Oh also, God. they yelled that when we were on offense once, and you're like, "What is happening?" But he, you yeah, put it yeah. <laughs> we were definitely not putting shoulders in it because we got smoked by the way by Toronto the 909s. But he, you would see him kind of like think about, it, and then he'd he'd like crack open his little marker, and he'd be like. I got it. <laughs> I got it. And then, we, and then we, Eric and I would be like, literally, it was like watching the Zapruder film. We were like honing in on the whiteboard with our like camera and just like studying it. <laughs> and you would see him like scribbling something down. And then he, you would see him then put it on the chair next to him and it would just say, we're different. And we were like, could not have been more amused by this guy. And then there was one other fantastic detail. There was, there was a gentleman who was seating, sitting courtside. Oh, uh, yeah. He was like, at least in his 50s, maybe his early 60s, wearing a full Lamar Odom outfit. Yeah. Wow. With, with the shorts and the jersey. And then after the game, he put on the warm-ups. Warm-ups. And he had compression pants. Like wow. he was going to play. And he, by the way, this man was like a 55-year-old, like but, short Armenian guy. Okay, I think like I, Lamar Odomjian. I think I know what's happening here. Because having worked in minor league baseball for a decade. Yes, we commented that it felt like the Blaze. Yeah, it's very much, there. That's it becomes uh, very cult-y. And then there's like the regulars who get right. to know all the people in the arena. And they are those people, the guys that... So we had a guy in Bakersfield, and this is not one of our favorite fans, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw him in there because he was just such a strange bird. He was basically first in line to get into the ballpark every day. He'd get to the stadium at like 5 o'clock, and it was a Tuesday. So we had probably 200 people in the entire ballpark, if that. That's like a high traffic Tuesday right. in, wow. in August when it's 100 degrees out, oh, 110 degrees outside. There's like 85 people. Same dude, big heavy set guy, wore sweatpants, and they didn't fit him properly to every single ball game. <laughs> too small or too big? They too big, so they okay. came down on him a little bit. Yeah. So this was like, I think we called him like the butt crack guy. I don't remember mm. what the nickname was, but it was the same guy and like the sweat and all this stuff. But he was there at. Every game dedicated, and so he became yeah, this is his like life. the guy. And he was the the weird dude who wore the sweatpants, who you could see his butt at every single baseball game. Yeah, uh, and there's like there are like twenty five of those guys at minor league ballparks. There's the very normal people. And shout out to you if you're listening, my boy Mark Duffel, normal guy, Froggy, but great fro- guy, Froggy. I mean, okay, yeah, Froggy might have even been a better example. Uh, the story on Froggy is is a long one, and I'll try to make it as concise as possible. Froggy was about a 70-year-old man who sold uh, souvenir programs at Bakersfield Blaze Games for like 15 years. When he was a little kid, he had a traumatic brain injury. I believe the story is that he fell out of a moving automobile. Jesus. But it basically stunted any brain development. So he had the mental capacity of roughly whatever age he was when this occurred. So he was very happy, very friendly, uh, really yeah, honestly, enjoyed. It sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like not a Can care in the world, but also like he's a seventy-year-old man right. now. So put all of the things that we didn't know when we were six into a seventy-year-old, and it's like no bathing, right? Um, that's the one that really jumps out at me when I look back at things that need sure. to be dealt with. Sure. So sometimes the team would like take him into the clubhouse and just power wash the dude and like hit him with Axe body spray for wow. a half an hour and send him back Oof. out there. Um. 
But that's the type of stuff you find at these minor league right. uh, uh, stadiums, and I'm actually pretty thrilled to find out that there are these guys. Well, this was like the South Bay version of that. So it's like more like weirdos with croquis. I would say this, though, really quick. It is something, like you said, it's a cult following. It's something to be said when you go to those independent minor yeah. leagues just because you feel like you're part of that process. Totally. And when you see them go on to the main roster or even potentially to another team, you're like, oh, I remember that guy when. Yes. So. Exactly. It's like the mentality of people who are really into like uh, bands that haven't hit it big yet. Exactly. They're right. like always people who like f- they make a point to like find those bands and then once they hit it big they're like oh i'm not into them exactly. anymore <laughs> yeah well and it was also as nice speaking of that like travis ware was at the game just as a spectator because he signed another 10-day contract eating grilled cheese eating said. grilled cheese and it was form. it was nice you could tell there was uh you could tell it was nice for him to be there and it was kind of like he got a nice reception from people and do they have host families do you know if these players are living with like season ticket holders because that's something they do in baseball that i don't know because that's the type of stuff. Because these guys are making yeah, probably pennies, not very right? much. Well, we were trying to figure that out too. But also, one thing that was nice about the event it was like we talked about. Eric and I kind of talked about this last night too, which is it's like everyone doing it for like the love of the thing that they're doing. It's like none of the other, none of the like money or the cachet or the like getting into Prime One Twelve or whatever the things that you you know, are kind of the perks of being a professional athlete are there yet. So it's everyone doing the job like in an earnest like part place of, of like love and passion because we like saw the reporter and she's like there like practicing all of her like questions she's gonna ask and like you know the the like the people who do the events at like timeouts are like super into it and like there's Girl Scouts singing the national. It's like it was just a very like pure form of basketball, like in a basketball event because the players were like playing their asses off and like Jerry Stackhouse coaching his ass off and you're like oh this is this is these are people still fighting for the thing. So overall, you guys had a, a hell of a time. Yeah, we're thinking about buying season tickets. <laughs> I, I, hey, that would be a good investment. I mean, that's why Ben he got his claws into you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He knew two suckers when he saw him. Honestly, I mean, look, the talent, talent wise, the talent may not match what's currently in the main NBA rosters, but it I, certainly didn't. We can tell you that too. But it is something to be said about people, like you said, like working their butts off. Yeah. Um, and you just see that fight. None of the nonsense and the noise and. Uh, who's signing what is involved. It's just no. for the pure sport of the, uh, you know, pure love of the game. And if you enjoy true basketball, it does sound like that's a place you need to, you know, and to go to enjoy it. So if you're worth the night. And there was there was one guy on the team that I want to give a particular shout out, Demarcus Holland, number seven on the oh, South yeah. Bay Lakers. Yeah, that's right. I think he, he played such good defense. Yeah. I've never seen someone just, like, hound the ball so well. Yeah. I I don't know if offensively he has enough to make it to the NBA, but, uh, you know. But, yeah, he was solid. He kind of looked like a – it was funny because he and Gary Payton both played, and I was like, oh, that guy's kind of like a better version of Gary Payton. <laughs> uh, other shout-out, uh, some guy named Ingram on our team who had, like, straight up like a full head of gray hair. He oh, was wow. like a guy who was, like, super old. He looked like Don Cheadle, like, but, like, <laughs> cur- current Don Cheadle. Wow. <laughs> And Wait, he was he playing player? his butt off. Yeah, Ingram. I'll look it up. Andre Ingram. Andre Ingram. I found him. I think he's like, he must be like, someone said he was like only 32, but I was like, we, we he, hypoth- he's distinguished. We hypothesize it was like Brandon Ingram's like 
uncle, uncle yeah. and it was part of the contract that yeah. Frank Ingram needed to get like on <laughs> the South right. Bay we Lakers. Calling him Frank Ingram. <laughs> I love that all of the dads and uncles on this show are named definitely Frank. Uncle Frank. Yeah, you're right. November 1985. Oh my god, I'm older than that guy. Yeah, sorry. He looks so much older than us. <laughs> These are those oh. moments in life when you realize, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, right? Where you're like, oh, okay. where, did it, where did it all go wrong? Uh, let's talk about what's upcoming yeah, for look the ahead. Lakers. The Lakers are on the road for four, I believe. Three or four? Three four. or four? Uh, Pacers is Monday, and then there's a couple days off before the Pelicans, who are fighting their tails off right now. I think they just beat Boston. Tonight. Yeah, they won. Lakers are in Memphis to take on uh, the. I don't. I mean, Memphis is going to get my vote for best tanking effort yeah. of the season. Yeah, they're rotating like three or four guys on and off of their roster every day. Uh, and then the Pistons uh, next Monday, which we'll have plenty of podcasts between now and then. But uh, Pacers are a pretty good team. Pelicans are a pretty good team. Grizzlies and Pistons are very winnable games, but teams tend to play. Kind of bad in Detroit. Um, what do we think? Indiana? Is there any chance in that one? It doesn't sound like, by the way, like Brandon Ingram's going to be. Yeah, back I think to that. that game. I think that's the problem. Because also in that Miami game, we and certainly the Golden State game, it looked like we ran out of steam a little bit. It's nice to have a little respite, I guess. I, yeah, eh, but it's not until after that ball game. Pacers are, by the way, without Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis. Ooh. They've been starting like eighty-five-year-old Big Al Jefferson. The last oh, I like games. Big Al. I actually kind of like Big Al too. Big but, Al was kind of a uh, Julius Randle prototype from before. Yeah, lefties inside game, but Julius with that weight loss is now just Big Al lost all over a bunch place. of weight too. He almost looked sickly for a little bit. Oh, weird! Look at that. He's he's back to being relatively Big Al again. Good for him. <laughs> uh, Pelicans on Thursday. Let's talk about that one just in case. That's we don't the one have that's pod. concerning for for me the most. I, yeah. actually, I'm, I mean, you know, Blake Griffin aside, which he'll be ready for LA. I'm sure. Detroit is terrible. Detroit is bad. Uh, shout out to Mara Baptist. She's the uh, social media person for the Memphis Grizzly Mutual friend oh me. Look at that. myself but uh yes. ask her who's tanking in that game right <laughs> <laughs> which guys are gonna be at? yeah i think mark gasol's mom is playing in that game <laughs> frank yeah they're just getting more gasols <laughs> frank gasol yeah francesca francesca, <laughs> francesca gasol but the pelicans the, the the pelicans it's that's gonna be a tricky one so yeah. i i do i do think we can get past the pacers not realizing me too how many players are actually gonna be out for the pacers but uh the but oladipo is, is in so right. yeah oladipo is good man he's really good Got out from the. I sorry, Fred. I know he where got you're out going from with under this. Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I thing. knew it was coming. <laughs> Russell Russell basically emasculated Victor Oladipo. He was a shell of himself that yeah. year. Okay, that that would be another argument for another day. I really want to have I the d- Russell Westbrook discussion because I did. Ha- I did watch the playoff game where Oladipo did not show up, and literally that's when Westbrook had to take over himself. But that was yeah. a whole year. Yeah, he had a bad season. Is but also, nice? it's weird. It must be weird to play with a guy who has the ball all the time. That's I'm still that baking on that to, for Paul George. Yeah. I think that's Paul George, even if they're successful as a team. I didn't know you were such a big Russ Westbrook fan. So, Is this Ru- all, the whole time? Uh, at least for the last two years. Also, uh, another UCLA guy. You're kind of riding hard for UCLA guys. You man. know what it is? It's, it's, the, post, <laughs> it's the post-Kobe Bryant era. Uh, there's he no is person, very Kobe-like. There is no he other is. player in the league right now that has that Kobe Bryant mentality than Russell Westbrook. Now, the skill set's not there, and I'll give you that. And he probably thinks he's better than he is, what have you. They all do. But Every single NBA player. All right. But I do like the fight. Like, yeah. Russell Westbrook would never cheat you a game. You watch he's playing hard from the beginning, and we're talking about the uh, the G League you guys attended. That's what I look for in, like, in, in any game I'm watching. He doesn't it's, really play hard on defense, though. Uh, 
He does not, you said? No. Uh, you know. <laughs> he plays, like, fake hard. He, like, goes for steals. He does go for steals. Yeah, he's a gambler. A little, you know. little bit of a river. But I know what you're saying. He plays every game like it's his last. and he's, It's crazy. Yeah. How has he his body not exploded? There's going to come a year where he just, like, implodes Well, that's what people keep thinking. Court. He still manages to go. So, yes, that's right. why uh, Russell Westbrook fills that uh, Kobe Bryant void. I will give you this. He is the most entertaining player in the NBA. Fair enough. But... I think I think he's going to have trouble winning a championship as the as the alpha on a basketball. Team. So you do uh, blame Oladipo's bad season on Westbrook? Is that a legit? I blame? I do because okay. the previous bad seasons you can blame on Scott Skiles for yanking him around unnecessarily in Orlando. And Nate McMillan is not like a basketball genius. Indiana's running a decent offense, but they basically just said, "Hey, Victor, let's see what you can do." And he's one of those guys like Larry Nance who jumps and then halfway through gets higher right you're like well how the hell did that happen i jump and i barely get off the ground to begin with right and this guy has two leaps it's like a video game you hit the jump button a second time and he goes over guys oh hey can we talk about what lebron james did to yusuf nurkic yeah he killed him okay that's enough yeah there it is r.i.p yusuf (laughs) uh, (laughs) just talk about oladipo for one more second i think what's also a nice thing to factor in with oladipo is like when you, because I really liked Oladipo in college, and I, at Indiana, I remember being like, "Oh, this guy looks really good." And then he got drafted by Orlando, and then it was like he had a good rookie season, and then he kind of tailed off, and everyone kind of went like, "Oh, he might not be good." Like, "Oh, Oladipo's not a good player." Like, tra- trade him. Oh my God, I can't believe Indiana didn't get more for Paul George. Like, Oladipo sucks. Like, and then lo and behold, he's still like twenty. Three twenty four, and suddenly he's good, and everyone goes like, "Oh my God, Oladipo's good!" And I think Julius Randle is a really good example of like you have to trust your draft and you have to trust talent, and then you got to give you have to be a little bit patient and let these guys grow into it. I want to throw two examples out there of exactly what you're talking about: Jermaine O'Neal and Zach Randolph. Jermaine O'Neal took like ten years in the NBA before he got good. Right, right. Well, he was high school. Yeah, he was like yeah. eighteen. Remember how long he was terrible? They right. Thought, they thought he was the biggest bus. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh my god! But if even he blocks shots you're with his so, left hand. You're so right. And like, we can even look at Brandon Ingram last year. Like, I I'm guilty of this too. I went and I like Brandon Ingram a lot at Duke. He got drafted. I was super excited about it. And then I watched him play last year, and I was like, oh my god! Like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing the at NBA all. NBA is hard. But, is what, is what we have but to, like the secret is, and, and guys don't walk around with their na- name on their badge. But he was nineteen, and I think now he's twenty. <laughs> he still can't drink, and legally, I mean, he's if if Brandon Ingram is an all star next year, are you going to be shocked? No, like I mean, you'd be pleasantly. You probably surprised. need a couple guys to leave the Western Conference, but, but yeah, I do think that one thing. Randall that too. It, it, sometimes you just got to like stay the course and like trust the reason why you drafted him. Okay, so that's where we are. Really quick on Randall at twenty one, I just want him to develop right hand jump shot, like right, be able to shoot with his right hand. That would one. be nice. Um, but going back to Oladipo, point guard or shooting guard? What is his position? Shooting guard. Okay, so there are I'm, no positions anymore. Right, there really is not. <laughs> but I'm just thinking of the matchup for the Lakers. Right, so he's going to have Lonzo Ball. He's going to have Isaiah Thomas. Um, I think they will try hard not to get let Isaiah. Yeah, Thomas I think have so to deal too. With all the well, people. and I'm only bringing this up because I, I actually was not look past this game, but I'm like, oh, this is one we can, ha- you know, take. Yeah. But after having this discussion now right you're now, like, oh no, I'm like, okay, now beware of Oladipo, <laughs> dude. I, I, someone gave me the stats of him next to. 
I, I mean, there's so many good guards in the league, but someone did like a comparative stats between like him, Westbrook, uh, like John Wall, like all these guys who you think of as like he's been A-list better, guys. He's been he's better, he's better than John better Wall. Than that. Yeah, he's been significantly better than John Wall this year. Yeah, and there, which and, is mind-boggling. But like someone who I was also like, oh, that guy's had a great season. Oh, Steph Curry. I was like. Literally, his stats next to Steph Curry's are really good. They're like the same stats, and you're like, oh, shit. I know you guys aren't big fantasy NBA guys, but Oladipo's been the number 12 player in fantasy sports this year, which is uh, he's right in front of Kyrie Irving and right behind Boogie before he went down. So what you're telling me is to fear the Pacers. I think we should. We can't take them. They're the number three seed in the East right now, aren't they? I I agree. I mean, That's a good team. And again, it's not that I was looking past to say, oh, we got this. But I didn't realize you were, you were watching Anthony Davis, weren't you? I was looking more ahead <laughs> to Anthony Davis. Uh, so yeah. By I, the way, also who's like twenty four years old? Secretly. He's so good. I mean, you know when he, and he's blocks doing, triple double. I don't want to say he's doing it by himself because he has clearly has his team. But when his his right hand person goes down, Boogie Cousins. I mean, I I did not expect this from the Pelicans. So no. Drew, Drew Holiday has impressed really me good, a really lot good this season. Year. Yeah, better. Better season than I ever expected. He's shooting forty nine percent this Ooh. year. But I think I think that spinning this back to the Lakers, for, yeah. like I think the lesson is to just like, and we we went through it with Lonzo this year too, which is just like don't rush to judgment and let these guys develop. And we I think we have like one of the best developmental coaches in the league. Certainly, like from an emotional standpoint of like letting people grow and letting them be themselves and not having like a short leash. And we have, I mean, like we haven't even talked about Kyle Kuzma in this podcast. No, that just shows not. how much talent we have. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, we gave him we've given him a decent amount of airtime. But did you see but, <laughs> but did you see he he like broke a bunch of like Lakers rookie records? I did see that. Most three-pointers ever, right? Yeah, and he's the first rookie with 1000 points, 400 rebounds and 130 made threes, which sounds like a weird stat because it is. But Mo- that's, that's a mod- also that's a modern NBA stat, right? But that's there. also cool. That's like a that's a you know, a, a real accomplishment for a guy that, you know, in a Lakers-based podcast where we pretty much talked about everything, like, we didn't even get to him. And I don't, I we, mean that as a positive about our team. Yeah, yeah. and we don't want to, that to go to, you know, lose that, those stats and those accomplishments because that is a big deal. You're right. Uh, but I do think, going back to everything we were saying about the Lakers and Randall and everyone else, we're, no matter what happens against the Pacers, no matter what happens against the Pelicans, the one thing I, I'm, I'm confident in about this team is that we're going to put up a fight. That's right. That we're going to put up a yeah. fight. Yeah. And remember when, like two years ago, we were just praying that the Lakers would put up a fight? Yes. Like, please be within 20 but, at the final you, horn. You know, my, so I was watching the post-game interview with Derek Fisher um, after the loss to Miami. Who's we, just on, like, every broadcast now. He really is. Lakers, ESPN, D-Fish is on everything. Hey, hey D-Fish number two, I still got love for yeah. him. By the Are, way, Matt Barnes has forgiven him. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that they is bar- breaking they news. Buried the hatchet, I didn't know that. Forgave him. Woo. Says he's good with the kids. They shouted out during a timeout, and everything's cool now. Says he's good with the kids. I mean, that right. play, that 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 teammate on teammate crime, y'all. I I, I, <laughs> yes. I didn't approve. Uh, no, but Derek Fisher did say he's like, look, looking at the Lakers, you know, in the past few seasons, we went up against Miami. Yes, we lost, but look how we were right there, yep. and they're in the playoffs. So going back to what you guys are saying about the Pacers being in play, we're going up against playoff teams. Like, who cares if they're just on the East versus the West. Yeah, and like beating some of them. And we're beating them. So this is the competition, the level of competition I like seeing from this team, and I, I think it will con- continue on on this road trip. Yep. Eli, you said it right a couple of weeks back when you were like, we're out of the bottom tier. We're sort of like in the bottom of the next tier up. We're in a, we're literally the only team yeah, in our tier. It's, it's like <laughs> a very weird thing. There's like 
there's like the people who are actually in it. Then there's the people who are all out of it. And then there's like us and like the Pistons last week. But they're out of it now, too. Yeah. I mean, we are out of it, but we're not playing like we're out of it. I have terrible news for the ends of your hair follicles. No, I know. We're, we're out of it. I, I, I know. <laughs> but we're not playing like we're out of it. That's true. And, and I, that's really, I really appreciate that about this team and our coaching staff. And thanks to a strong performance against the Denver Nuggets, the Lakers may have knocked one other team a little farther out of it. Denver's now two games out of a playoff spot. They're back of the, uh, the oh, Pels. Oh, they lost again? Uh, no, I guess they've had a couple of days off and everybody else won or something like that. I don't know. I, I haven't kept close. That's my new, Nuggets. that's my new goal for the season. I it's just don't want Denver, Denver to, to lose. It. Oh, they did lose. They beat Good. the Pistons and then they lost to the Grizzlies. Oh, the, <laughs> oh that's so embarrassing. <laughs> the Nuggets, oh, that should actually make us feel a little oh, worse. Oh, the humiliation. The that was, uh, the Grizzlies did have Tyreek Evans back, but it sort of doesn't make any What's difference. What's the phrase? The ball don't lie. You that's right. <laughs> Let me ask, okay, here's my final question before we sign off. Who do you think was more upset about the result in that game, the Nuggets or the Grizzlies? <laughs> oh, my God, that's a tough call. <laughs> Tankapalooza 2018 Jeez. rumbles on. Uh, Fred, a gigantic thank you for coming on the pod today. This is fun. We loved having you, Fred. B- before we finish up. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> no, no, this, this is a good thing. I just want to bring up an OG memory because I love having you on. It was it just one of my favorite Laker yeah. memories. It was, I was at your house. It was like 1997 or 98. The Lakers we're, were the same height. <laughs> <laughs> you were towering over me. Yes. This is how much we're going to that. We were playing the Supersonics the Lakers versus the Supersonics. This is how much we're dating ourselves right now. And Kobe Bryant was like going off that game. And he set an NBA record, I believe, for made NBA three pointers, which was like eight or nine. And was the glo- <laughs> was the was the glove guarding him? I I it might have been. I don't know. Ninety seven. Ninety nine seven. Ninety. Yeah, that's glove. No, yeah. where do you go? No, you're right. He would still be there. He was you're still right. there, right? You were still there. Point guard on shooting guard. They probably had a shooting. Oh, guard I think the glove's going on him. Uh oh. If I know it, the glove. <laughs> It might have been, but I just remember being at your house in North Hollywood on Satsuma. In H. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's right. No whole arts district. Me, you, your dad, and watching Kobe go off. It was just a really fun memory. That brings it full circle with my, my Kobe Ryan gear today. I, that's right. I appreciate that, man. So you're yeah, rocking the 24, not the 8, just to, so uh, people know. Yeah, just so we're clear. It doesn't and, matter. Uh, They're both retired guys. They it's are. It's fine. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I was at that ceremony. It was oh, a, uh, teary-eyed and all. <laughs> a little yeah. misty, a little misty. Getting a little not misty. as bad as the final game of Kobe because I cry like a baby. Oh, well, at least he set you out with a bang. Yeah, sixty points on ninety three shots. That's <laughs> why so he's my favorite. I know. <laughs> he is the great Fred Dinkins. Wait, tell everybody again how they can listen to that pod. Oh yeah, go to World of Bear. Honestly, we do go get into the uh, Lakers talk like you guys. I, you I appreciate that, and uh, people do think I'm anti LeBron, and I'm glad to be on this podcast to set it straight. People think I hate Giannis Antetokounmpo for some I, reason. You know, I, it's just what misconceptions. My my fantasy show. That's <laughs> a long thing. I don't know. You do hate Greeks. I do. <laughs> I've always hated the Greeks. What's the uh, well the Michael Caine line from one of the Austin Powers? Two things. Oh, the I Dutch. Can't say. Yeah. yeah. People that are intolerant of other cultures <laughs> and the Dutch. Yeah. Uh, I am Dan Vespers at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Wait, Fred, your Twitter handle one more time. Freddie D15. F R E D D Y D15. What's the one five, man? Freddie D was taken. It was like one through 14 was taken. Freddie D14. It's not the correct Twitter handle. Freddie D15. He is at Eli Bauman. This is Ball in, Ball out, a hoop ball presentation. Back at your midweek. We'll talk to you then. Peace.
This has been a Hoopball presentation.